You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast, UFC 277. Hey everyone, welcome back to another preview episode for one of those UFC pay-per-views. This one um, for the Amanda Nunes, uh, uh, oh god, what's her opponent's name? Fenya, what's her name? I forget. Juliana Pena. Yeah, she beat uh, Amanda Nunes, but the UFC probably won't promote that too much, much, and they won't either. They forgot what Nunes, they didn't promote Nunes for that Rousey fight, so why should they promote Pena? I don't know where I'm going with this, but, uh, yeah, so we're back again, and, um, to level with you guys, if I'm very, very off, it's because I am. Work is, real life work is killing me right now, so I'm not as going to be prepared as I usually am, and content-wise, outside of this, so apologies in advance if I'm a little lackluster. Um, Fenyo, on the other hand, however, will be doing most of the legwork, even though he's better at this than I am. Hello, people. Um, yeah, so this is UFC 277. Uh, a lot of fights that uh, with a lot of with a lot of unknowns. So we have to do a lot of guesswork on this one. Uh, there's a lot of fights that there's not much to say, but there's a few interesting ones. Uh, you'll see when we move uh, up and up the card. Uh, I think the the best thing we can do is just get started. And the opening fight is at welterweight is Orion Kose versus Blood Diamond. And I mean, we have Kose on one hand that is like he's tough in game. He's decently athletic too. And the thing is that he's like a dog. He can push the base. He can fight tired. Um, He's pretty well rounded. Uh, has some deficiencies uh, at long range, and that's where and that's probably why they match it up with the uh, kickboxer Blood Diamond. Uh, but the thing about Kosa is that uh, he looks for big strikes in transitions. He fights tired. He can get to the wrestling when the fight gets tough, and that should be interesting because Blood Diamond, as I said, the kickboxer, fights out of city kickboxing. You know, some guys there have some decent wrestling fundamentals. He's like a switch stances kickbox here, um, kind of like the Adesanya mold, but more like more like big stuff, more than easy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's decent in the clinch too, uh, but really we we only have seen him defend takedowns against Jeremiah Wells, and that didn't go well at all. So, do you have anything to add there? Not, not on Blood Diamond himself, because I haven't really seen too much on the feet. Like, his go-to defense with takedowns is usually, like, hand on the knee, hand on the bicep, and turns them. And But he kind of concedes too much to it instead of trying to break it. So what happens is he got taken down by Jeremiah Wells, whom, fun trivia, had, like, the greatest runaway <laughs> moment to start a fight ever. I don't know what the hell that was. But, um... Anyways, his plan to distract Blood Diamond clearly worked because it made the takedown easier. So, Koska is, is interesting because um, you can kind of see he employs like some level changes with kind of some shifts and switches to work those takedowns. And I wouldn't particularly say he has like a dangerous top game, but it is smothering and he's consistent with it. Like, you can see him kind of shove guys against the fence to try to smother their work. He tries to put his head on their chest to make sure they can't do a lot. 
Uh, he, he's kind of mostly, a, it seems, a control guy, but there's not really a lot of substance to him, but he is really, really, um, he, he pushes for it quite a bit, and um, that, that's really all I can say on both guys here, to be honest. I kind of think it's like, has Blood Diamond gotten better at defending the takedowns? Can he deal with someone who works some of those transition attempts, um, who isn't going to really slow down? Or is he just going to have what happened to him last time? And uh, last time didn't give the most optimistic kind of signs for him, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest, um, I feel like Blood Diamond uh, probably needs an early finish here. And Kosa is pretty hard to put away. He was he was TKO'd by Phil Rowe, but that was like a, a fucking beating. <laughs> and if the fight gets like ugly in any sense... I, I have zero reasons to trust Blood Diamond in a in a scenario like that. Um, I think the safe bet here is picking Kosu by late finish or decision. Mm-hmm. So we're moving on, and it's um, it is like heavyweight. We have Nick Negumarena versus Ihor Potieri, I guessing. Um, so yeah, I mean. Ne- Nick Negumerino is it's like a functional guy. He's a bit short for the weight class. Um, but he's well-rounded, he's tough. Uh, but he, we've seen him have trouble with rangy strikers before. But but the toughness and the, and the decent conditioning allows him to find answers down the line. Uh, Pocheri, on, on the other hand, is like a, he's a quick guy, uh, faster than Nick for sure. Uh, but he's super wild. Um, he's a southpaw, uh, kicks a lot, likes the inside leg kick, and and wings with both hands. He likes uh, shifting a lot, but not with any subtlety, so it is just more like... Like beat or blitzes, but with hooks instead of straights. <laughs> and I've seen him in the clinch getting stuck a bit, so... So yeah, I mean, not sure. Uh, Potieri looks decently athletic, but he's not that big. I'm not sure he's ready for the UFC, even though the light heavyweight division is trash, as we all know. But even even there, I mean, I'm not sure. Do you have any read on this one? Um, I think one thing I've noticed about uh, Negu Manaro is that he can be stalled on the clincher ground if he's taken there. I don't really have much else to say about him otherwise, but... um. Poteria does like the hand fight. He's pretty wild, though. Like, you can see he really favors, like, attacking with his rear hand and rear leg. A, to take advantage of the open stance things. The problem is he's defensively a void. I didn't like his hooks are kind of... They definitely hit hard and can crack, but he's so wild with them, he takes himself out of position. But I did see him do okay and, like, have some proactivity in the clinch in his last fight, so... I mean, for all, for all I know here, it might just seem to come down to who can kind of, like, control who's coming forward or, like, how does the clinch play out with these two? Yeah, pretty much. I think uh, Poteria has a decent chance of of stalking Negomarinu at, at the end of his range with the kicks and surprising with the speed of the blitzes. Uh, if it goes long, I think Negomarinu has a better style to just keep pushing forward and get on his face. Um... I don't know. This is this one is pretty close. Uh, I'm leaning Negumarinu on decision on this one. What do you think? I probably will too. I I don't really think it's one you can have a clear read on. 
Um, and that's kind of it. So, next one is uh, women's bantamweight uh, prelim fight. Uh, Ji Yeon Kim versus Jocelyn Edwards. And I had a really hard time finding Edwards' last fight, but I've seen her previous work. She, um, uh, she tends to get backed up a lot. She tends to fall into the clinch and get stalled quite a bit in wrestling in the clinch. Um, and when she's given space on the front foot, you can tell she doesn't really have a good read of the pocket. It, especially with her distance and initiative, but she is at least willing to throw kicks out there to establish some kind of effort. So, uh, against Kim, that's kind of an interesting thing, because Kim is pretty open to kicks and pressure, but she's very, very willing to trade and exchange, even if she does overextend. So, I don't know, it might it might be a weird one to see. Um, it it kind of depends upon has Edwards gotten better in the pocket, or who kind of gets to go forward in this one. Yeah, to me, it seems like if they exchange hands in the pocket, uh, Kim has a clear advantage there. Because she's like, she's a pretty well-schooled boxer. Uh, she's not great at anything, but but she puts her hands together pretty well. Um, she has a tendency to overextend, as you said, but but she has a good feeling of how to put combinations together and has a has good timing on the counters. Yes. she can move her head and come back with combinations, something that I don't think Edwards have the the composure to do. I think at at a longer range, I think Edwards with the with the kicks and the and the blitzes has the the ability to surprise Kim. That is kind of on the slower side. Edwards is clearly more more athletic, and will probably have a, a size advantage considering that um, she's like the natural uh, bantamweight on this one. It would be interesting to see um, how they how they measure to each other like on person because it's hard to tell when a fighter is moving up. I. I like uh, Gigi and Kim a lot more than Edwards. I, I like her her boxing combinations. I think it's a more pleasant style, style to the eye. But I think if anything, Edwards' physicality will going to be too much for her. Mm-hmm. Sadly, um, I'm siding on the Edwards' decision side on this one. Yeah, I, I probably will too, just on that basis. But um, I wouldn't surprise to see Edwards tagged a lot. Even if we don't really know how hard Kim can crack at bantamweight yet, but um, yeah, I don't have too much other of a read. Uh, next yeah. fight, next fight is uh, welterweight, and uh, this fight was not on Topology last I looked an hour ago. What the hell? <laughs> really? No, this wasn't on here an hour ago. Michael yeah, Morales okay. versus Adam. Uh, forget. I have no comments then. Okay, let me. Let me give you a rundown. Uh, Morales is like very big, very athletic. He knocked out your favorite fighter, Trevin Giles, very in good. his last fight. <laughs> but he's not—he's not good. I mean, he's athletic. He's big. Um, a lot of like single strikes from open distance, and then he tries to clinch. And he's a decent grappler because he's dynamic. But there's not a lot of in the in the form of process. Um, especially he doesn't move his head at all. He he has been cracked in a lot of fights, uh, just standing tall against the cage. Uh, Fugit, on the other hand, is like uh, a southpaw kicker, and it's all about spamming left kicks. Uh, he kicks pretty hard, but he's a, a little bit one note. He's decently athletic, too, I think. Um, he has a few knockouts with the right hook, so that's interesting. Um... I think uh, Morales being the more lengthy fighter, um, 
should have some answers for Fugit, especially because even though he's like a one-note striker, he's a lot. He he's about the one-two, especially, and the leg kicks, and maybe Fugit doesn't like that. But but Morales like gets stacked in every fight, and Fugit has like legit power. I'm siding on the Fugit side, but this is a lot of unknowns. Morales doesn't really have experience. I mean, he has 13 fights. He has more fights than Fugit, but all of those, except his last two, are against, like, complete jobbers. Uh, Fugit has been facing a, a little bit of higher level competition, especially because he fought an LFA. Uh, so I trust in him more. But yeah, tough uh, tough fight to call. Let's, let's move on to the next one. Sure. Uh, 155, uh, Drucker Close versus Hoffa Garcia. I can actually comment on this one quite a bit. So it should be okay. Yeah, this should be a good one. Um, Close is, um, kind of interesting because you can tell he likes to really, really, he's all about the step-ins and then, like, hitting a big shot. So the whole idea is he's gradually, like, making his way in through a hand fight half steps or kicks to keep guys moving back and then he gets them and then he'll immediately hit a big shot like his whole plan is to get you moving back and then set up that big blow but if it doesn't go that way close kind of defaults to getting very reckless and likes to stay inside and throw and so if some guy kind of gets some edge on him where he loses like his initiative it means like he's likely to give up his positioning stance and even takedowns consistently um Garcia tends to concede the back foot pretty easily, and his goal is to draw you into those counters, especially the overhand right, because um, he likes to play as the short man against most guys. Um, against close, conceding the bad back foot's kind of a, a bad thing for Garcia here, but Garcia might be able to back him off a bit with the counters if he catches close in between shots. So that, that's kind of my read on it. Yeah, um, Garcia is is all about the the level change. He level change into overhands and the, into his takedowns attempts, and he's pretty he's pretty decent at it. And when he throws on in, on the counter, he he can actually put together both hands. So that's interesting. Uh, might trouble close a little bit with that, but I think this is a pretty bad matchup for him. Um, especially because close uh, has a, a pretty sizable size advantage on this one. And and yes, you said he's. He's like the archetypical like uh, MMA lab southpaw that he 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 works behind like a consistent pace, but he's actually looking for the big shots, as you said. Um, I think where the the place where close shines the brightest, I would say, is the clinch. Um, he's very good at finding knees, uh, elbows, and and also finding the big shots and the breaks. I think he, he will probably pressure Garcia and Garcia might have some success early, especially with the with the level change and the overhands. The problem with Garcia is that I, I don't I don't see close uh getting taken down by him. Um and also Southpaw is not very good for Garcia. I mean he he beat Jesse Ronson in his last fight, who was a Southpaw, but a Sopo that was a lot more willing to exchange with him, and and he ended up relying on the takedowns on that one. I don't see that happening. I think Close is going to have the bigger moments on each round, especially in the clinch when I think he he will kind of like Big Brother Garcia, or make him like spend a lot of, a lot of energy. Um, I'm picking Close by decision on this one. I will too. Um, so yeah, the next one is 
heavyweight. Uh, Duct Hill Maze versus Hamdi Abdul Wahab. Um, I did not find any footage on the second, but for Maze, um, Maze's whole thing is you can tell he's a fast starter. Like, he particularly likes to probe with his jab and, like, th then set up a big shot off of that, and he throws with a lot of power, too. The problem is, with him, is that he's not really an active fainter, so a lot of the probing and throwaways aren't necessarily that good at convincing guys to back off, but he hasn't exactly been punished for that yet. Um, yeah, I think uh, Donto fights from a very, very long range. He's like a bouncy kind of striker. Uh, but he's he's very mobile, especially because he's like a legit heavyweight. He's very big. Um, and, and he also has a, a decent array of takedowns in, in the clinch. And surprisingly for this fight, uh, Hamdi Abdel, Abdel Wahab is supposedly a, a Greco-Roman wrestler. Didn't find much about his wrestling career, um, but commentators were talking about it in his last fight. Um, the other thing is that Hamdi is pretty small. Um, he's listed here as six foot two. I don't think he's that tall, to be honest. Um, and he's super raw. Uh, he looks like a composed kickboxer on the feet, um, but I think he he probably has he will have trouble with Mary's. Uh, Distance because he's not only a lot bigger, but also as I said likes to likes to fight from a very prolonged distance from a side-on stance Hamdi might have some success kicking his legs and if he can time uh, one of uh, Dante May's blitzes He might be able to boot him out, but But really he hasn't faced the level of competition and Mace has has looked pretty composed. He he seems to have decent conditioning for the kind of of fight that he fights. And um, I think he has the advantage in this one. Uh, but it's hard to tell because uh, Hamdi is like uh an unknown at this stage. I I've seen two of his fights and didn't get to learn much from it. So hard hard to tell how he fares in a harder fight. I'm just taking a safe, uh, picking Maze by decision, but who knows? Yeah. All right. So moving on to a good one. Uh, we have lightweight. It's Drew Dover versus Rafael Alves. This one should be fun. So we have Dover. Uh, we know Dover like southpaw kickboxer. All about finding the the left hand has a lot of resources with it, um, but also like pretty active with the kicks and with the right hand. So he's not like one trick pony. And Dover is incredibly tough, uh, very well conditioned, and in a decently fast starter nowadays. And on the other hand, we have Alves that is like super fast starter. Uh, he's a ball of energy. Um, a little bit on the on the Joel Romero uh, mold of being like a sprint fighter that that like moves like pretty slow and then explodes here. Um, Alves chooses a lot of blitzes and he's very dangerous with them. Um, he looks kind of stiff, but he's fast. He's powerful, and he also has like a dynamic jujitsu to to make him more dangerous. So this should be fun. Uh, where are your reads on this one, Dan? So with Dober, the thing is Dober definitely is mechanically decent. He loves to headhunt and gets punished for it by getting smothered a lot. But his main bread and butter is the right lead hook, uh, left straight. 
and he's particularly good at like setting it up, especially at the start of once he pressures guys. Um, the the problem with Dober is once again like he can be a little too willing to head pump, but he can also be backed up pretty consistently by a guy who's a little faster than him. And Terrence McKinney kind of took advantage of that. And although McKinney's a little raw himself, like um, McKinney did prove that someone who starts fast and can like really take it to Dober early on, on can get to him. And, I mean, hard to think of many lightweights who excel at, like, distance closing and just ha having straight-up cheater athleticism than Rafael Alves. Because uh, Al Alves even was fast enough to surprise, like, Demir um, Ismagulov, whose distance management may be the best in the whole division. So, it's... He he's definitely not someone you can take lightly, even if, like, his total, like, depth on the feet is something that might be something to be desired. But, um, it's... I don't know, it should be a good fight, it should be a good action fight, or it might be a pretty quick finish, I think. Yeah, it um, should be tricky for Dover, especially early, because as as we've been saying, like, always very fast starter. Uh, Dover also starts fast, but but it takes uh, a bit for him to make his defensive reads. Alves just straight up goes for the kill immediately, and I think that's, like, that's a good bet to take for him early. Like just try to kill Dover, yes. and and I mean putting putting Dover out is like very very hard to do. But if anyone can do it, Alves might be the one. Especially because he has the submission. If he hurts uh, Dover, he has like very nasty guillotines. Um, so that could be interesting. The thing with that Dover's that is problem probably for Alves is that um, he's able to maintain a a very steady pace. That mixes like the touches with the hard punches, and and that's something that a fighter like Alves that likes to take space and time in between combinations uh, will probably not like down the line. So it's it's interesting. Uh, it's a similar like dynamic that we've seen in a lot of these fights, um, favoring Alves early and Dover late. But that's how a lot of fights uh, tend to go. Um, I'm taking Dover here. He's the more proven product at this point. But Alves, as we've both been saying, very dangerous early, especially yeah. in this matchup. I think given, um, I, I don't want to give too much precedent to Terrence McKinney's success, but because um, it's also Terrence McKinney who's kind of raw himself, but I do tend to think if something like that can happen to Dober once, it can definitely happen again, and Alves is probably the guy to do it. So I'm not going to pick Alves here, I'm going to take Dober like Fenyo does, but... um. I, I think that's worth keeping in mind because McKenney did have Dober in like a lot of trouble. Yeah, this one should be exciting at the very least. Yeah. All right. So then we have one fifty-five. No, sorry, one seventy. No, we have one seventy. Yeah. One one seventy. My fault. Alex Morano versus Matt Semmelsberger. This one's kind of weird, um, and I'm not sure I have a great read on it. Um, because, like, Murano is pretty upright. He likes to probe and pressure, but he's super static and doesn't, like, necessarily cover on ground. But mostly his bread and butter is he likes to touch and then set up a big, like, looping counter. Semmel's burger is kind of harder for me to read because you can tell he can overextend and, and get taken down pretty easily. And he's, But he is really aggressive, sometimes recklessly. And his kind of bread and butter on his side is he likes to lead with jabs, particularly. So, 
I can see Morono kind of stuck at range, but I can also see Semmelsberger kind of running into something decently big, so I kind of don't know what'll happen. Um, yeah, uh, this one should be fun, though, because both guys are very willing strikers, and, and they go for the big shots. Um, the thing is that, yeah, as you said, Morono, um, very good at exploiting uh, faults from other fighters, but he, he stands very tall, and not sure it's one that's one I think that you want to do against Semmelsberger that has like a very dangerous one too especially like he has laser on those and also very dangerous with the knees and the kicks uh Morono and both guys are very very tough we've seen Morono put out but by like Chaos Williams that hits like a truck Semmelsberger has power himself um, and he has a close fight with Chaos Williams himself um, I think the the thing that uh, like sways this one f in on the Semmelsberger side for me is that his last fight his last fight excuse me was like a dog fight against AJ Fletcher and AJ Fletcher like kind of the small side but very athletic and uh, Semmelsberger just showed up he was capable of grappling and striking for very hard 15 minutes there and I think that's usually where Morono win fights when they get tough but I guess like a bigger more athletic guy that can also do that um, I'm just going like a very big picture here because tactically it would be interesting because both guys have their their faults and, and their strengths uh, but I think uh, Morono doesn't match very well with Semmelsberger, especially with the length, uh, with the tighter mechanics. Yeah, and... Semmelsberger can stick him at range with the jab, which is like his main tool. I think Morono might struggle to get inside. So yes. yeah, Morono has tools to get inside, but but that has been like against like very like guys that have faults mechanically, like Mickey Gall. Semmelsberger is uh, is is better school than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Semmelsberger is definitely the safe bet here. I can't disagree. Yeah. Uh, Morono is tough, but I still think Semmelsberger might get it done in a TKO round two because it's very hard. And and Morono has been looking good lately, but against a lower level of competition. I mean, the the win against Cerrone was decent, but Cerrone very, pretty much shot at that stage, so... Mm -hmm. But yeah, but should be a good one. That one of the better fights of the card for sure. So we're moving on to we both picking Simmelsberger, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're moving on I to. I think we're both picking the same guy for this next one too. Yeah, probably. It's like heavyweight. A fight between fairly highly ranked guys. It's Magomed Ankalaev versus Anthony Smith. Want to go first on this one? Um, yeah, I can talk about Ankalaev. Um, Ankalaev, I, I think, is kind of interesting in terms of, like, he has decent ring ideas and has, like, good enforcement of his rhythm to keep guys pinned. There's some weird, um, things he does, though, like, uh, particularly with his measured, like, footwork, checking, etc. And he has a very good read on, like, one layer of exchanges. The problem is, like, if it goes past that, uh it's kind of like he doesn't necessarily, like, push forward. And, like, it's still notable that, like, there hasn't been much improvement since the Nikita Krylov fight where Krylov started doubling things up. 
and Ann Kaliev couldn't exactly deal with that. At um, Ann Kaliev's best tool is definitely his lead check hook. It's very good on the counter at closing the door, guys. I think Ann Kaliev's biggest problem, to be honest, is um. I think he kind of gets a little too comfortable with kind of the certain gear he's in with a fight that pushing out of it to blow another guy out or like conceding the pace of it without being compromising himself is a little scary for him. So the it's kind of hard to explain, but that's kind of the greed I get from him. He strikes me as a guy who's all about control. And when it is under some layer of control, he kind of concedes to that. And, I mean, Smith, Smith is kind of the kind of guy that, like, isn't going to have a lot of tools to, like, break through. But he is powerful and he's willing to try new things. But he's also Anthony Smith. And, well, you know. Yeah, the thing is, one thing to look out on this fight is if Anthony Smith can get the jab going. And that's... Uh, easier said than done because um, Smith likes to be the ranger fighter. Um, he's probably a bit taller than Ankalaev, but not by much. And Ankalaev is surely the like the bigger guy inside the cage. And and Ankalaev fairly decent about uh, dealing with the jab from Southpaw. Like like he he fight hands. He has his own jab. Uh, he has the counter right hook. So uh, it's it's not for. Uh, Jabbing in Ankalaev is not for free. It will be interesting to see if Smith is willing to do so because he will need to. Um, if they stay at kicking range, like Smith has has tools, but Ankalaev should be the more powerful guy there. And and the other thing is that Ankalaev probably one of the guys that can can afford to just lay on a, on top of Anthony Smith because Anthony Smith's jiu-jitsu has has been his saving grace in a lot of fights. Um, Paul Craig's submission aside, don't think that will that will happen here. Ankalaev's top game is pretty solid fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, he has uh, heavy ground pound, but he also is pretty safe. Um, I think uh, for my for my shit that I give Anthony Smith, he's actually very decent. He he has earned his place in the division, winning the fights that he has won. But Ankalaev just seems like a a rough matchup for him. Just. And Clive has faults, as you said, but he's one of the better put together guys in the yes. division. It's hard to argue against that. Like his game is very coherent and doesn't have like huge holes. I mean, yeah, you have to make him uncomfortable, or, like make him fight at a very certain pace and surprise him to get his attention. And that's hard to do at light heavyweight. It's hard to do, especially because Clive hits super hard and just like. It's like you want to put the pace on him, and then he hits you super hard, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Okay, we might better fight at a slower pace." And Anthony Smith, if he takes the risks, gets the jab going, like just puts volume, he might accomplish some of the stuff that we're talking about. But it's rough. It's rough on this one. Um, I think I could win this one, like pretty comfortably. Yep. Like uh, he's bigger, he's the better athlete. Um. Technically, I think uh, Smith has some some phases where he's better, but I think the the game of Amkalaev makes a lot more sense and has less flaws to exploit. Mm-hmm. I'm picking Amkalaev by second round knockout on this one. Yeah, I'll take Amkalaev um, by late finish or decision. 
I'll give credit but, to Smith for one thing. He's at the very least tough enough to take a beating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he won't give up. Um, yeah, often to his and that's, detriment. Yeah, that's a thing that, that happens a lot against Ankelaev, actually. Like, guys just give up because he's better than them. Uh, moving on to one of the best fights. Maybe the best one? I'd say it's the best one if both guys are in still good condition. Yeah. But it's flyweight. It's Alexandre Pantoja versus Alex Perez. So take it down. Um, okay, so I think the easy intangibles to get out of the way first for this one is, like, Pantoja is kind of up there in age and, like, some mileage, and Perez hasn't fought in a while. So that could influence that. But let's put that aside. Uh, this fight is fantastic. So Pantoja's whole thing is he's still, like, one of the best grapplers in the division, like, he's consistently proven that against, like, Brandon Froival, Moreno, etc. Even against Figueredo. Um, he's brilliant off of his creating the back take. Can go toe-to-toe with, like, someone as dynamic as Royval and beat him there consistently, even taps him. Um, on the feet, though, Pantoja's whole thing is, like, he really likes to kind of read things. He can kind of be a little upright, but he's trying to draw counters, and his feints are a little subtle. Uh, he can be a bit stiff and he gets reckless with exchanges, but he has a great eye for, like, reading th- situations and, like, putting, like, the, f- um, one, two together into, like, a different attack, such as a takedown attempt or tacking off of a different hook. And even if you do tag him, he's, like, ungodly durable. Um, I, I think a good way of describing Pantoja he- is that he's an opportunist. As in, if something works, he'll exploit it again and again and again until it doesn't. Uh, He's an insanely fast starter, utterly fearless. Um, As for Perez, Perez's whole thing is like he loves to set up behind his lead hand to set up attacks, particularly his kicking game and his takedowns. Um, His feints are often there to draw responses. He too starts really, really fast, especially with his feints and in the pocket. His thing is he also gets pretty reckless on his entries and exits for longer engagements. And that's kind of a reason, like, Benavides got to him um, and kind of caught Perez in between positions. So I- I'm not too sure how the wrestling will play out here if Perez p- pushes for it, other than Pantoja is a hell of a scrambler. But um, on on the feet, Perez uh, might get a lot of work done with the kicks and, like, counters. But Pantoja might over time gradually figure out how to take advantage of the little things Perez does. Unless he gets really clocked and can't really take some of the shots anymore or the kicking damage adds up. So this this should be pretty intense. Yeah, this uh, on paper this is a very interesting fight. Uh, one thing to consider is that Perez was has been very aggressive, especially with the low golf kicks lately. But Pantoja is actually decent at uh, dealing with kicks because he's a low kicker himself he's at least aware of the threat so interesting to see how how he plays out at long range um pantoja can get the the jab going sometimes but but paris is should be more active with his own jab and feints um I think, as you said, uh, Pantoja has the tools to make reads late. The problem is that he has been tiring lately on fights. And and Perez has been looking in pretty decent shape. I think sometimes these long layoffs, instead of the the ring, might 
might play against him uh, with his fast start, but might be good for his cardio in the long time, in the long run, because he probably comes in with very, very well prepared for this one. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Perez has been caught in transitions, as you said, by Benavides, uh, with the striking and by Figueredo with the grappling. And those are two things that Pantoja is very well equipped to deal with. He's, mm-hmm. as you said, uh, an, a tremendous opportunist. Uh, if someone can find like uh, a back take or a left hook in the pocket, is Pantoja. Um, the biggest question for me is if Pantoja's uh, durability, as you said, because Perez is a pretty big puncher, um, the durability and the cardio especially, because uh, I mean, Pantoja still fights very hard tired. Um, if you refer like to the Askarov fight, um, he was still like scrambling like crazy against him. And Askarov might be like the best like controlled wrestler in the division. Uh, Perez might be more dangerous when he gets control, but I'm not sure he's as he's as good at getting set control, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure he can keep uh, Pantoja down. The thing that might favor Perez is that if he forces Pantoja to scramble a lot, he might be able to tire him. Uh, I think I think stylistically Pantoja is very complicated for Perez, but considering the the stage of their careers that they are in. I think I'm slightly favoring Perez, even though he has more fights than Pantoja, actually. Uh, one more fight. Uh, the records are very similar, but P- Pantoja just has been in, like, crazy, crazy wars, and I'm not sure he's the same as he was before. I'm slightly leaning Perez, but as we both been saying, uh, if they were both prime, I would pick Pantoja, but I do not think he's there anymore. Yeah, I, I do think Pantoja is slow, but I haven't, like, thought he's past it, because Royval's a pretty big hitter and, like, dynamic yeah. guy. And I think he has slowed just enough, yeah. Yeah, so this still feels pretty close. Um, I'll take a risk and go Pantoja by decision, but I think it's going to be a m- insane scrap as long as it lasts. Yeah, this is going to be a war. Um, I'm picking Perez by decision myself, but... Yeah. And I'm hoping Pantoja think, pulls it, think, pulls it off because... Per- yeah, Perez yeah, kind of go. feels like the safer bet here. Yeah, probably. But but yeah, I mean, I hope Pantoja pulls it off. One of my favorite fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both guys, both guys are great. Yeah. Great fight. Love them both. Mm-hmm. And I'm from, from all of that, we moved to heavyweight. And it is Derek Lewis versus Sergei Pavlovich. Does Sergei uh, Pavlovich pass the Derek Lewis test? Uh, I think the the Derek Lewis test has been getting a bit easier on the later years, but but hard to tell. Pavlovich is competent. Um, he's decent. He has power, but we saw Alistair Overeem just maul him on the ground. So that's a bit concerning against Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis has been showing some willing to some willingness to wrestle lately. And and yeah, I mean uh Tuivasa got to him but but it was a actually a pretty decent performance by Tuivasa that used some of the attributes that only he has in the division. So I don't think that's actually like replicable by by Pavlovich on this one. Pavlovich probably needs to be like 
active and aggressive from distance. That is a thing that he's pretty decent at. He's a, a pretty functional kickboxer. Uh, he should use his strength and skill on the clinch to to uh, maintain the fight on the feet if he wants to win. Um, can he? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. The what thing, do you think? The thing with Lewis, when it, when I say Lewis test, and if I'm not doing a good job of explaining this, interrupt me. But basically, the thing about the Lewis test is his whole strategy is he wants to draw you into a level change so he can crack you really, really hard on the counter. And the amount of guys that have fallen for that feint, including Curtis Blades, which is the most damning one, um, is maddening. Because the thing is, if you keep Lewis at a distance behind kicks, a jab, or like draw him into counters yourself... Like, you can really control him. Now, does Pavlovich, like, do a lot of that stuff? There's not a lot of rhythm, and he does dip a bit off the center line, and there's not a lot of kicks. But you can tell he has some power and can crack behind his speed. There is, um, against uh, Shamil, he did have a neat, like, little fake straight to an uppercut that could work against Lewis, because Lewis does like to dip himself. But, um, there's not, there's not much to say that, like, he might be in for a bit of a boring fight or like Lewis might just kill him or just yeah. send him to the ground. So I'm not too optimistic about Pavlovich here based upon what I've seen, but um who who really knows? It's a it's a Derek Lewis fight and you can never really predict a Derek Lewis fight. I mean funnily enough, like the Oberyn fight it's like some somewhat of uh the most analogous fight for Pavlovich to this one. Um, the skill set are very different, but but Lewis, in some sense, might might look to do some kind of similar stuff that Overeem was doing on that fight. Uh, without the subtlety, though, like Lewis has some tricks on the clinch, but he's not as fundamentally sound as Overeem was. Um, he's very big, though, but but Pavlovich himself, a big boy. I think if Pavlovich can get the boxing going and not get too much respect to Derek Lewis, he should be able to pass the test. Um, uh, but hard to know if he is actually going to do because, as we saw, like for example, Chris Dawkins, um was probably like equipped uh, skill-wise to beat Derek Lewis, and then he just didn't fight his fight, allowed Lewis to do his thing and died. And that and that pro and that happens to a lot of heavyweights. Um, Luis is getting up there in age, has been finished lately, so who knows? Um, I think Pavlovich might be able to pull it off. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm taking the gamble and picking Pavlovich by like second round knockout because uh, he has like pretty big power. He does, yeah, and I can see like kind of um, like his last knockout being a good litmus test, but um, I don't think he does enough to really make it matter. Um, so I'll take Lewis by KO. Cool. Um, next fight is the co-main event for the interim flyweight title. Why is there an interim title for this? Um, and it's between Brandon Moreno and Kaikar France. This is a rematch. If you haven't seen their first fight, you should. It's really fun. Um, and I, I think it's a good place to start. So, I think... Fight one was really about a battle of the lead hands and how they utilize lead hands differently. So Moreno's is more of like um, a feeler and a feeder. He likes to set things up with a check hook and deliver punches. 
Um, Moreno likes to jab dis, ab, out at distance a little more to draw exchanges. Kaikar Francis is more of a touch-touch kind of setup deal to set up his right hand. Um, and, and there are some things about the um, first fight where like Kaikar Francis kind of gets to Moreno a bit early behind with his right because he's pretty powerful with it. Um, but when Moreno kind of realizes, okay, your whole setup is the right, I just have to exchange things a little longer behind my shoulder and left hook counter and then put the pressure on you, you're not going to be able to do as much going backwards. Or it's because you panic in the exchanges. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the story of the first fight. So how things have changed a bit since, I wouldn't necessarily say either guy has like really improved too much. I do think Moreno has improved um, on his use of the lead hand, and such as against yeah. Figueredo, um, in all three fights even. Um, it, although the last fight was a little slightly concerning in terms of like some passivity for like initial throwaways or feints, though I can understand it's because Figueredo is fast on the counter. Um, whereas like Kaikar or France is more inclined for the setup. So I... I think, like, the the thing about Reno is he can always lose his posture in exchanges, but um, he has a great knack for understanding, like, um, I have to throw back and really, like, keep putting pressure on you, and I can usually find the shot that matters. For Kai Kara-Franz, I wouldn't say he does anything exceptional on the feet, but he's good at working all levels, and he's willing to apply kicks off the neutral and front foot. On the back foot's where he gets weaker, um, he does play with shifts a bit against Askarov where, with his leads. Um, but, like, Kaikara France's biggest concerns are always, like, depth and exchanges and, like, getting backed up where he ends up having to defend more than he should. So, it, it's kind of a question of, uh, like, what kind of things based upon fight one can happen here a little differently. Uh, how much more depth has Kaikara France built upon his game? Um, th there is kind of a question about Moreno's durability slipping, but he still showed that he was pretty freaking durable in that last fight, because Figueredo can crack like crazy still. Um, so, I don't know, it it's a bit of a weird one, but it should be a good one. Yeah, I think, uh, if, if Kai has made, uh, some, some improvements, I would say pretty, uh, it would be mainly on the, on the gagecraft side of things. I think he's a lot more committed about pressuring and and not only pressuring but also like maintaining uh, the center of the cage and I think that plays in, in his, uh, to his advantage in the Moreno matchup because as you said uh, if Moreno starts backing him up um, the the fight gets in his favor tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that uh, Kekara France uh, like uh, shot selection is better equipped to deal with, like, with uh, defending takedowns as he showed against Askarov. And that's very encouraging against Moreno that is very opportunistic about the takedowns and the back takes. I think uh, France is uh, better equipped to, to deal with those this time around. Uh, but yeah, I think that the length of Moreno, especially if he gets the jab going and the jab into the hooks, especially hooks into the body and to the head, the changeup, um, that's a rough stylistic matchup for Kaikara France, I think, overall. Um, there is one... Um, that, sorry to interrupt. There is one thing no. that um, that Moreno does do that I do see as a problem. Like, uh, 
I don't know if he did this in the first fight off the top of my head, but he does like to play with his lead hooks in order to establish clinch attacks or and then striking off the break a bit. He did that a bit versus Figueredo. I do think that's kind of a problem because I haven't seen Kaikara Franz be too active in the clinch. Um, and because Kaikara Franz is more of a pocket and like dis neutral kind of setup guy yeah. and I, I don't really think Kaikara Franz feels that comfortable in like extended exchanges or kind of messier engagements. Yeah, I think the Kaikara Franz like just uh, bets on the left hook like big time when he's in the pocket and if like Moreno gets a good read of that he probably can counter the counters. Um, he has pretty decent eyes in the pocket. He's not, uh, I think mechanically in the pocket, Kaikara France probably better than Moreno, but Moreno has, has better eyes and awareness once yes. they are there and he will get the, the advantage in prolonged combinations. If Kaikara France like pick his spots and keep the, uh, the exchanges in the pocket short, like, like three to four punches, he might, he probably might get an edge on Moreno just based on his, like, uh, speed and mechanics. Uh, Moreno's very fast, but he's sometimes betrayed on short combinations just because he tends to win his punches in a way that uh, Kaikara France doesn't. Um, and the kicks should be interesting too. I think Moreno can be prone to being leg kicked, but but he also like faints the takedown a lot, and a lot of guys like get dissuaded from kicking the legs a lot. Um, even Figueredo was concerned about about going hard with the leg kicks in the third fight. Yeah, because Moreno, uh, for all intents and purposes, is a pretty good grappler at flyweight. Um, and, like, Kaikara France, I don't really have a read on his grappling, but, like, because, again, like, the only real memory I have, like, is Askar Askarov kind of, like, handling him, but Askar Askarov is pretty smothering to deal with. Uh, Moreno, I, I think, is more of a dynamic kind of scrambler on the ground. Than anything else, and so that might play into Kaikara France being able to get out, but at the same time, that also might just be an issue because it means more wrestling exchanges, and Kaikara France is kind of sometimes prone to being stalemated in those. So, I don't know. I, I, I think, like, I feel like we may see a repeat of the second fight with some var sorry, the first fight with some variation, but um, it, it should be a good one, it should be competitive. Yeah, it should be a very exciting fight. Uh, both guys are like they just bring it more of the time, most of the time. Um, I like that uh, guys coming into this fight like with the big momentum, and Moreno has to like prove himself after a somewhat disappointing uh, Figueredo fight. So I think both guys will bring their their A games into this one. It will be very exciting. <laughs> but but yeah, I, th I want Kaikara France to win, but I think this matchup is a bit rough for him. Yeah. Uh, Moreno didn't look his best the last time out, but but he's been looking like a very complete fighter, and and has uh, as you said worked a bit on the things that trouble Kaikar France the first time around. I'm picking Moreno by decision, Likewise. but should be should be a good one, a very good one. Yep. Okay, so our main event, uh, the rematch, uh, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. Um, Okay, so let's talk about that first fight. Um, Fenya, what the hell happened? So, Julia Pena comes uh, trying to wrestle, doesn't succeed, ends up on the bottom. Um, Nunez doesn't get much going from top position. 
Uh, Peña keeps going from like mission attempts. Uh, Amanda looks a little bit concerned. I don't know <laughs> why. He was staying pretty safe. And then the second round begins and Peña starts using the dipping jab and demolishes Amanda Nunez. <laughs> Amanda Nunez just falls apart because she has no answer to the dipping, to the dipping jab. Peña starts adding the right hand after that. <laughs> Nunez just like goes complete panic mode. Peña goes for a takedown, takes the back with no hooks, barely <laughs> clinches a rear naked choke and Amanda Nunez taps immediately. What in the fuck was that? Uh, okay, so, so I'll also touch upon some things. So... We talked about the dipping jab. I want to point something out to you all. I remember my whole spiel on how Jessica I kind of stiff-armed with her jab a lot. Pena also does that, except it's, like, worse because she throws herself forward as she does it. And so she also has the tendency to throw the right hand And Oh, God, the right hand. Uh, okay, so how she throws her right hand is she's throwing it after as the two, but she's throwing it adjacent to her head. So what literally ends up happening is, and I clipped this for Twitter the other day, but she literally throws the one and then throws the right hand right after it and it'll literally be caught on her own arm. arm, Or it'll just land to the side of the head and winged. Like, it's always overextended at this arch adjacent to her head. So not only is she super open, she's, like, super out of position, and yet Nunes could not deal with this because... The stiff arm jab was like too long to cross counter. It was couldn't yeah, couldn't counter at all, despite was, having like a reach advantage. <laughs> it was amazing. So like, and just when you think that isn't enough, she literally taps from a choke that isn't even. It's incredible. So like, the thing is, Pena basically realizes, oh, you you're uncomfortable in these exchanges. I just have to keep doing things. And Nuna is like. In Nunez's defense, she did crack her like three times and was like, oh, you're not dying. Oh, shit, I'm getting tired. And so, and bizarrely, Pena realized, oh, you have no jab, so I can just keep throwing and then like <laughs> dip and then just keep jabbing you. You, even though this isn't like a real functional jab, it's working. And then Nunez just falls apart and throws the worst counter of her life and gets countered by the overhand and then gets rocked. And then falls into the fence, and then, well, yeah, the ending. So, um, why why did this go wrong for Nunez, I think, is the first question. Um, if I was to say one thing about Nunez in her career is that, like, I don't think Nunez has much of a throwaway game. I don't think Nunez has much as a, of a distance game. And I think Nunez liked to wait in the counter, but she never really fought someone who, like, really played with positionings too much on her or took the risk with them. And Nunes herself has never had, like, a confident gas tank either. So all these things kind of came together and just imploded? Question mark? Yeah, we, we've seen Nunes uh, uncomfortable on the feet, like, not too long ago against uh, Germain de Randomy. But that was a fight where Nunes always had the the option of the takedown. Um, on the on this fight, I think the thing that that played Nunez is that she, I, I I get the feeling that she didn't like the the grappling in the first round, 
uh, I think she she felt like Peña was like not getting smothered from the bottom, and I think she felt she was like pretty strong. She was surprised about that, and then I think she just psyched up herself about oh if she, if this girl ends up on top of me, it's over. I I gotta keep this standing. She was very nervous and, and stiff after that. And then comes the second round and Nunez is like pretty sure she's going to knock her knock her out. <laughs> and then the the jab makes the presence and she has like no answer for it. Uh, Nunez will probably show up on the rematch with some kind of answer to the jab, but I'm not sure it's going to be the right one. It's like, you know what she's going to do. She's just going to go, what if, since I was looking to counter, I just stay at range and... Tr- try to counter at range with kicks, and it's like, yeah, that could probably work because Pena throws herself out of posture, but it's also like, that also means the fight's going to become terminally boring. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one of the... If if we know ATT well, I think Nunez is going to come into this fight probably looking to leg kick, um, but maybe not because they are scared of the takedown, right? Um, for Nunez, I think the the easy option she would be to learn to just uppercut and to uppercut and to jab with Peña, and she wins this like pretty easily. Uh, I'm I do not trust her to do that though, and I think Peña will like push the pace from just the beginning, and she will bully Amanda about the fact that she doesn't want to grapple with her. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have no idea what this is going to look like other than it's probably going to be another clusterfuck, to be honest. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to be mean, but, like, that's probably what it's going to be like. No, for sure. I mean, that's, okay, okay that's I don't want to be too mean. I definitely want to be mean because the whole thing's hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's just, like, honestly, I, I can't hate it. The full fight itself was hilarious with all these things but it's so confusing that you literally have no idea okay so how's this rematch gonna look well you can see them doing some things question mark so i i don't know i guess we have to pick pena again question mark i'm picking pena again like like as as i said like the answer for nunez uh, he has like a lot of options to go here uh, and a lot of them could work, like just jab with Peña, go for the uppercut, the leg kicks. But I think, um, I think Peña, uh, and I hate to do like the amateur psychology thing, but I think he has, she has a huge edge on the mental side going into this one. Um, the 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 way Nunez fell apart, and Nunez used to be a fighter that used to break, so bringing up that again is it's rough, you know. Yeah, and and Peña will come into this one like with huge confidence, like just knowing that she can take the punches. That also can maybe be dangerous for her because Nunez is tremendous puncher. She can put Peña out for sure if she connects well. Um, but I don't know. I think the momentum is too much to overcome. I I I don't trust American top team and, and oh. Nunez is not even with ATT anymore. So. Really? Oh dear. Yeah, she, she left with? for the. She left before the the first fight. So. Oh. so that should be interesting. Uh, 
In fact, I, I trust her less to make the adjustments now. So you're, so you're telling me, hold on, she left before it, the first fight? Before or? the before the first fight, yeah. Oh, boy. The plot thickens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say, to be honest. Just, um... But I guess... At least it's going to be fun, like... It'll probably a lot be of fun. We've had a lot of like bad main events. I'm um, not putting the, this one into that category. Might not be a, like a high level fight, but but I'm intrigued. I'm not gonna lie. I am also intrigued, but also because I hope it's very funny again. Because I don't think any. I hope it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> because there's not. I don't know if it'll be funnier than the first time. Because I don't. Probably think, not. <laughs> I don't think anything can possibly be funnier than when I first saw that right hand. But um. <laughs> But, um, it's like, oh god, I could be so mean about this, but literally, I, I'm not even kidding, guys. Like, Pena is throwing her right hand the way guys who have never, like, sparred before are throwing <laughs> it. I, like, day one shit you see in a boxing gym. I'm not even kidding. I mean, I used to throw like that. Like, everyone used to, until you learn I, what you're doing. And, she's and you never know, because... Those guys at, at Sikijitsu sometimes make some strange stuff. Maybe she's, like, trying to, like... She has some, like, some weird takedown entry of, of the, that weird right hand. You never know. Jesus like, Christ. sometimes oh, sometimes fighters do, like, the craziest things. Here, here's here's <laughs> the thing. Is she... Is Pena still with Rick Little's gym? Because this might explain a lot. Yeah, yeah, she is. Oh, God, that explains a lot. Um... Because I don't think I've ever seen a fighter from his gym throw a straight right correctly. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know what else to say. It's just. Oh. It's a. It's kind of a weird card, but it's better than like you'd think. I'd say. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets better as it goes. Uh, main card at his as it looks on topology is pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, it has it has like heavyweight and heavyweight, but. You could do worse with those divisions, to be honest. That's true. Um, so yes, I mean, so fights to, that I would recommend to people to watch. Um, uh, Close versus Rafa Garcia should be fun. Uh, keep a keep an eye on that one. Um, Dover's Dover versus Alves. Sh- uh, it's probably like the the do not miss of the of the prelims. Probably the best, yeah, by far the best fight on the prelims. Morono versus Semmelsberger should be fun too. And then the the whole main card is pretty solid. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, like even Lewis Pavlovich is okay. Like, uh, Yeah, it's the, it's fun. The fun. especially can't miss stuff is Pantoja, Perez, and Moreno, Kaikara fights. Yeah, yeah those, those are like the, those are the, the by two. far the best fights. Yeah, the yeah, big two. Even the main event, but for a different reason. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I I would be lying if I said I would miss that fight because I wouldn't miss it for anything. Nope, nope that's true. Yeah, um, yeah, so decent card again. Apologies to everyone if um if the analysis or like work rate hasn't been too great lately on my part. Um, personal life is just interfering a lot, but I'll keep trying to do these as much as I can. Um, again, thank you all so much for listening. Your support means a lot. I and I don't have anything else to say, Fenio. Yeah, we have one more thing to say. And it's that if you guys like this content, you guys should support us on Patreon. Because we put in a lot more content lately on Patreon. Especially with the 
with the live analysis uh, with the with fight footage. You can check all of that in our Patreon, patreon.com slash the fight site. Mm-hmm. And and only for how many dollars then for the Discord? Um, I mean, how much is like a candy bar from a vending machine? It's it's more than that, but if two <laughs> candy bars from a vending machine is about three dollars. Yeah, so you can join our Discord server and talk with uh Everyone. with other smart people that likes fighting too. So wait, hold on, hold on. I'm on a diet, so we can't do two candy bars. It needs to be something else. Oh, no, I can't. Um, I can eat both of them, so... You son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> Alright, we're, we're done here. We're all done here. Things. I am tired. Thank you all for listening again. It's always been a pleasure. Enjoy the fights this weekend. It should be good. Take care now. Bye.